Hello, guys. Hi. Welcome to another episode of When Football Met Soccer, where we talk about all things football on the pitch, off the pitch. So, how are you doing? I'm still excited from what happened in Morocco. Really excited. How many days ago was it? It was on Thursday. Three yeah. days ago. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah, so I had to wake up at 6 a.m. Uh, well, I didn't actually wake up at 6 a.m. I woke up at 6.25 because... And I was like, going to watch and check if the score is, is, is a good score. So what I did, woke up at 6.25, uh, saw that Korea was, uh, was winning um, Germany. And I'm like, oh, I got to watch. And Morocco at that point was still 0-0. So yeah. it's harder for us. I watched the second. US. I watched the second half with you, as you know, sleepy as I was. It was I like know. what before seven a.m. You woke. You were so excited. Oh my God, Morocco's up! Get up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! It was such a stressful second half, but as they call it, Morocco's Atlas lionesses. <laughs> so many lionesses right now have made history by qualifying for the last sixteen of the FIFA's Women's World Cup for the first in their first appearance ever. So this is amazing. I don't. Like, honestly, to me, this is such a big deal. And I can't believe it happened because when I was talking to people after their second, after their first win, nobody thought that they would, they would be able to do it. My dad was like, no way. You read everyone. And Moroccans are such pessimistic people. That's why I'm a little bit like that. So why, why trust anything they say? If they no, thought that I they know. weren't going to make it, I know, but it's like the, the energy feeds. So imagine if you, were, if you were one of those, those players and you were reading the comments everywhere. You'd be like, oh, my God, there's no yeah, hope. Yeah, but their fans are so crazy. Which fans? Moroccan fans. They are crazy when you're winning, but when you lost, but they're still there to support you. Yeah, but it's like apparently in the Colombia game, it was mostly Colombians. There were a lot of Colombians. To be honest, what I find also so impressive is not just the fact that it was their first appearance in the World Cup and they made it through the knockout stage, but also because they had to come back from a I know from a huge setback of losing six 0 to Germany. That's, right. That's what I want to talk. That's about. That's the mentality. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And the the. Even journalists were saying that that's it. Like, we, we should write them off. So Morocco was in Group H, one of the hardest, if not the hardest, in my, in my opinion, in the World Cup. And this is why. Because it's the group of the runner-ups. Germany, runner-up of the 2022 Women's World Cup, ranked second. South Korea, runner-up of the 2022 AFC Women's uh, Asia Cup, and ranked 17. I know a lot of people seem to not think that Korea is a good team, but it's actually a very good team. Colombia was the runner-up of the 2022 Copa America Feminina and ranked 25th, and it's basically the, the revelation of this tournament, Korea, uh, Colombia. And Morocco, runner-up of the 2022 Women's AFCON, ranked 72nd. 72nd. Crazy. So, and we said it before, football in Asia and Europe is way more developed, and even in South America than in Africa. Uh, obviously, Nigeria probably is an exception, but it's still not as developed. So, Morocco being runner-up does not mean much in front of these massive teams, and their first game, they get this demoralizing defeat uh, of 6-0 against Germany. They would look horrible, so bad. The goalie made so many mistakes. They had two own goals. It was it was effectively, like, it was just so embarrassing. Everyone was calling them, like, uh, names and all the comments from Go Back to Your Kitchen. <laughs> this is from Moroccans, by the way. So all these comments that I'm talking about are mostly from their own uh, nation. So it was a little bit hard to be hopeful that they could do anything. I haven't watched them a lot. I haven't even watched them in the AFCON, so I couldn't actually make or have any proper opinion about them but effectively and realistically their chances were, were close to zero it's very hard so given that goal difference they would need to either beat Colombia uh, with their superstar Caicedo and everyone's talking about her and Germany would tie or lose to Korea and then 
or tie with Colombia and Germany lose to Korea or win Colombia by a massive, massive score. And, and that would basically, like, you'd have to win, I think, more than six, right? Because, because it would be down, down massively. So what do you know? They actually win uh, versus Colombia and Germany and Korea ties. Germany is knocked out of the group stage for the first time in their history after winning two World Cups. In 2020, in 2003, in 2005, this is yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Germany after. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and the scenes from uh, the end of the game where everyone was around their phone is it's really incredible because we've watched the games. You know, the Germany team, the Germany game for some reason went to uh, plus 17. I've never yeah. seen that before. No, plus 18 or 17 minutes, and even the Moroccan game or the Morocco game went to plus. Uh, 13 or 14 it was only supposed to be plus 9 so I didn't really understand what happened but Morocco becomes the lowest ranked team ever to qualify to knock out a stage in the World Cup and they're also the first ever team to lose 6-0 in the first game and still qualify with 6 points in both the men and the women's uh, uh, World Cup so so many stats like this of first and first but honestly I couldn't be prouder for me this is uh, a much bigger deal than what the men did Because the men, yeah, it's a, an established team. They tied, they won, they won, and so on and so There's forth. There's so many people playing in Europe and yeah, teams, and so right? many people playing in Europe. But this is basically it's 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 a nobody team. Like most of these players in this team play in the in the national league that was only created, I don't know, or fully professional three or four years ago. This one of the lowest ranked teams in the tournament, so nobody expects anything from you. And then suddenly you do all this. How Imagine much buzz has this created in Morocco? So much buzz. Like, every, no, like after the 6-0 defeats, people were like, oh, I'm not going to watch anymore. And what is this? I'm like very disappointed. But then, because a lot of people watched them in the AFCON. But then after the no, win against Korea... No, I'm just saying as, as, as general people who don't watch football, is oh, it still something that people yeah, are talking about? Yeah, it's such a big deal. Yeah. See, that's why we were saying, right? I was telling you how... Honestly, I feel extremely happy for this just because mm -hmm. for little girls and women in Morocco who are not just like interested in becoming athletes, but just in general, yeah. right? Like you just experienced such a highlight from the Men's World Cup mm -hmm, and the, the mm -hmm. Moroccan performance in that World Cup. And now the women, I mean, I'm not going to say they're also going to reach the semifinal, but to be able to break, uh, to surpass all expectations and to overcome all those obstacles uh, and exceed any expectation that people had for them. Honestly, I think it's a really good thing. And especially because we did talk about kind of a little bit of a backward sexism that still exists to this day, that maybe these girls are not encouraged to pursue certain, you know, if they want to become a football player or another athlete or whatever it is, right? This kind of buzz and excitement and love and joy that even the women's team can create mm -hmm, mm -hmm. puts that you know in perspective a lot which yeah exactly is, it it's is like really important the, right the not just men can do it women can do it yeah too. the symbolism and the, the significance for all arab and muslim women is such a big deal right and you have this hijabi player playing and you have all these people who are like most of them are actually from like they all speak moroccan it's not like the men's team who that were all like most of them were born uh, um, not in Morocco but this is like it's it's such a big deal as you said success breeds success and when you're successful then people have this mentality that we can do it right yeah. it's all that that yeah. can do mentality that's what you need right that's also makes it it's a mental game that's it's what also where we're used to become we're used to being very proud of our country in sporting events through the men's teams yeah, yeah and so sure. if you can evoke the same it's like the US 
right. the U.S. is the opposite, right? Well, in certain sports, not no, no, in the in football. Oh, I mean, right, the U.S. Right. Yeah, football, yeah. everyone is so proud, and they, do you know, even in uh, corporate events and things like that, they always give the U.S. women's team football well, that's team, as an example. They're more successful, right? Yeah, like, like how like they're like always successful, so consistent. So that that's amazing, amazing boost of confidence. And just to put things in perspective, Egypt. Egypt's men's team, who dominate the, uh, Africa with seven AFCON titles, have never won a single World Cup game with three participation. So, and they're, and they're such a massive team. And this Moroccan Moroccan women's team has already won two games in their first participation. It's it's, it's a massive deal. And next up is France. Why can't we? We can never get rid of escape France. Escape France. We can't well, that's escape what I them. said. I, you you got to get the job done because what the men men's team failed to do was to beat France, right? And so now it's the woman's turn. And if you lose twice, it is going to be a little demoralizing. I mean, I mean, people are going to be upset just because they will lose to France. But at this point, what, the, what, these, what these women have achieved is already way above expectation. Yeah, but it would like, be an absolutely incredible story if they I, beat France. I honestly, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a little bit hard. I mean, they looked a little bit more solid defensively in Morocco uh, in, the, in the last couple of games. So that's not bad. They also they, they are a little bit talented. Like some of their players are talented, but mostly the the the, the players who uh, who are in the national league. The the Tottenham player is not that good. We've talked about her. He he only plays her for the last ten minutes, and she missed so many shots. So many counter attacks were missed because of her. I I don't know. I think it's possible. It's going to be very hard. France is ranked fifth, and they have Hervé Renard. Hervé Renard is a massive coach. He used to be Morocco's coach and. Uh, 2018 World Cup and he used to be Zambia's coach and I think he won the AFCON with them he used to be uh, Saudi Arabia's coach and he beat Argentina with them so who knows he's, he's, a, he's a great coach so I I'm hopeful but to me it's already what they did is already amazing I'm just going to be sad because it's France and I don't want them to well, be yeah, no and way. with all the comments and all that you know there's like this 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 fucking um, channel a French channel that was uh, basically talking about oh which which team would we rather face Germany or Colombia let's choose a, a completely for the right. yeah completely no no yeah for the round of for the round of sixteen oh round of sixteen yes yeah, so oh, this okay. is before the last game oh, okay. completely right and right in Morocco off and like you should never do but that but the kind of hubris sometimes it will bite you in the ass and when it does bite you in the ass it's very satisfying as a as an outsider yeah I mean it's like Spain and Japan like, apparently Spanish players were out. I mean, gallivanting I mean, and they beat them 4-0. Same thing, right? So I'm going to, since Germany was in the same group, I'm going to talk about Germany. As you mentioned, Germany knocked out from the group stage for the first time in their history. Again, by South Korea, like the men's team was. I love, I love. So Korea... Thank you so much, <laughs> South Korea. All Moroccan people are super grateful. I'm not even joking. Everyone. I mean, they already love K-pop and K-dramas oh. already right now. So... so Speaking of hubris, so the German FA were so confident that they didn't even charter a plane for them to return the day after no. their last group stage oh. match. And the chairman of the German FA also didn't even arrive in Australia yet because he wanted to get there once knockout stages oh started. <laughs> so let's just... <laughs> you cannot make this stuff up. This is so good. Yeah, so we talk about Germans, the, the women's German team, right? We talked a lot last time or previous episodes about how they have a very systematic and organized uh, youth team, how mm -hmm. they recruit players and all that stuff. 
So in this 2023 women's performance, yes, they had a few injured defenders, but they rely basically really heavily on their captain, Alexandra Pop, mm, right, to yeah. score. And beast. so what happens is yeah. they, they don't play a lot in the midfield. They just try to pass to her. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being very long passes. And individually, even as a team, they didn't play very it's, well. They're not very technical. Like, it's not what she would call technical players. Right. Mm. And also the manager, Voss Tecklenburg, who's German, uh, players are very unhappy with her as well. So she makes... A lot of tactical changes and makes players play in not their usual positions. Mm-hmm, it actually mm-hmm. reminds me of someone else I know, Guardiola. Mm-hmm. But it works when you win and it doesn't work when you don't win, right? As she also led them to a quarterfinal exit in 2019 in her first year in charge, which was not ideal. And according to The Athletic, uh, a lot of people now are talking about how youth development is not great, which we <laughs> praised last time. There's not enough what they call street football. No, but I think, I, I think it's, it's just like... When you get to a high level, anything doesn't look that good. Like anything. Right now, they're gonna start criticizing. Yeah, you, anything. Right. Yeah, you either reach the final and win, or the rest looks shit. Yeah, exactly. And so, if they reached, if they wouldn't be criticizing the mm-hmm. youth football, right? Uh, and German newspaper even tied it to a general German eco- the general German economy no. and politics, where they believe themselves to be more competitive than they actually are. Oh. <laughs> Which but, like, okay, let's be fair. <laughs> it's an extremely unlikely scenario what happened. That's why we said it's the first time ever. I don't think the German team is particularly bad. It's just it's a very unlikely scenario, right? Like Colombia beating them, it was a last-minute goal. Like basically that last-minute goal by Colombia killed Germany and also killed Morocco at the same but time. There, but there are problems. No, because, no, I agree there are problems. Because why is it that the men's and women's team weren't able to make it to the knockout stage? I agree. I feel like it's, it's, it's more the men's team is a little bit different. But it's just like overall football in the world catching up to all these amazing teams as simple as it is if i look at france france are not a good team they're the men's team they just have mbappe and they're lucky a little bit mbappe and they're lucky they could have lost to morocco right like but they still made it to the final i'm i'm like it's it's just like you need a little bit of luck even if you're not as good and i think luck was not on germany's side i don't know like i just feel like that last goal by colombia i don't think it's just luck though because if you I mean, I think you need a lot of luck. Maybe the the women's teams are not particularly... It's it's still a tough group. That's my point. My point is not an easy group. So they were able to knock out Morocco. That was the easiest one. But the other two teams were not easy. And it is is true that their performance against Morocco was a bit of an anomaly and it hit a lot of the problems mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. because first of all I think Morocco was very nervous in their first match defensively they were a bit all over the mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. Uh, what was her name Benzina she wasn't she, she wasn't play. playing yeah, which Benzina. was a crucial a yeah. crucial part of the defense and so it kind of covered up a lot of the problems and so they went in with this people had oh Germany's gonna do great you know and it's, it's, ended it, up being not the case I, I agree it's just like Morocco's performance a lot of it was a mental game as well they never imagine you never participated in the World Cup you don't know what you're doing and then suddenly you have to face the team that's ranked second obviously you're gonna fuck up and then they score and then you don't know what you're doing and the coach as well is all stressed I don't think he ever coached national teams so maybe the German team re- re- like read too much into that, one, that, that win I don't know but it's still, you have to realize that it is a very unlikely scenario. I don't think they should read too much into it. I mean, I, but, but they probably, the it, FA is going to do... If anything, I would make this argument about the U.S. team, not really about the German team. So speaking of the U.S. team, U.S. versus Portugal was a nil-nil game. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. barely make it through to mm-hmm. the knockout stage mm-hmm. and knock Portugal out. It was Portugal's first time as well. Portugal actually played better than I thought mm-hmm. they would play. Yeah, that's what everyone's never, saying, yeah. 
U.S. in this case was lucky mm-hmm. because. Portugal misses a 91st minute shot that hit the post. Everyone's saying on on all the, oh, the player of the match for U.S. was the post. Anyway, so the U.S. team basically, from how I see it, is a very individualistic team. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like they have any kind of tactical or footballing identity. And so lackluster and like no energy. It's it's like like even the way like I watched their their uh, their interviews right after the game. And they were like all like no energy. Actually, well, this 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 one this player was like, oh, I'm gonna have to watch replay to tell you what went wrong. I'm like, dude, no, you know what went wrong because you were playing. Why do you need to watch the replay? Well, actually, I don't I don't agree on that too much because there are people like Megan Rapinoe who, and even Alex Morgan who are a bit arrogant when they speak, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And. Like I said, I think it's a lot of it's very individualistic team. There's not a lot of tactical footballing identity that a lot of the other teams have. Yeah. And like you said, and I've said, a lot of countries are now catching up to them, right? So they used to rely on a lot of one-on-one individual because they're a very individualistic team. They have mm-hmm. individual talent. They rely very heavily on one-on-one dribbling and all that. Uh, but as Europe, Asia, now even Africa has gotten a lot better, yeah. they can't just rely on superior individual fitness anymore, right? No, Individually, no. you're faster, you're stronger, you're whatever. That doesn't work I anymore. I think that's their thing, exactly. Right. They're very physical. They're very... They don't get tired. They exactly. work pressure, they pressure, 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 nonstop. But without that kind of cohesive technical, um, tactical, and you know all that, you can't just say, oh, we, are, we have great team spirit, we have great energy, mm-hmm. or, oh, we're on, on individuals, individually, we're very, you know, we're great one-on-one. But that, that, like, you can't, people play as a team. You got to play as a team. I agree. And Portugal really took advantage mm-hmm. of their defensive flaws. Uh, we mentioned it. It's their first time ever. Right, exactly. And they just didn't have the skills to finish, which honestly was the same case as the U.S. The U.S. had some good you know good passes here and there but alex morgan she just cannot finish yeah. just just to say she's really selfish and she has had no goals in this world cup from 13 attempts 13 attempts 13 attempts and only one was on target and that was a penalty which was saved no so she oh, one of the 13s is a penalty so yeah one of the, <laughs> no well i don't there was the only one that was on target was a penalty she had 13 shots. None of them were on target. And none of the, none of the other 12 were on target. And that, that one that was on target was saved. It was oh a penalty that was saved. And so, honestly, and, and people, I also saw some reporting about how there's a discrepancy between the more senior members of the mm-hmm, team mm-hmm. and the more junior members. The, the junior ones, this is their debut. This is their first time playing the World Cup. The senior members, they've already won World Cups. But so they don't care there's a much. disconnect. Yeah. They're not helping the, the younger yeah. ones. So it's like, it's like, it's like a transition. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And so there's, and some criticize the German team as well for do, you know having the, be, going yeah. through a transition period as well. I don't know. I don't think, but then again, the US could still win the whole thing. Despite I, I honestly, all of this. I honestly doubt it. As you said, let's, let me just touch quickly on Japan because I think they're amazing. It's the best team of the tournaments and my first choice after Morocco, if I were to root for a team, they are clinical. No mistakes. So good. The passes. I know you've watched that game against Spain, the highlights. Oh my God. Every single goal is amazing. Like the pass to Tanaka and all like the way they finish, it's like no mistakes. Honestly, it's like super, super high level. And like when you compare this team to the U.S. team, you're like, oh, there's no comparison, right? Like Japan is way ahead, and they 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 basically uh, qualified with nine points, and they scored eleven goals in three games. That's that's out of this world. So let's talk about results and the brackets for the round of sixteen. Spain versus Switzerland already happened five one. Spain has talented players. I think they they still have a shot. 
even though they lost for uh, uh, nil to uh, Spain. But you, if you watch the highlights, that's all I watched because it was really early. You see how good they are in, in finishing. They don't even need Alexia. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're mm-hmm. so good, and and it makes sense, right? They have Barcelona. They have all these. They have all these teams that are doing really well. Japan versus Norway, three one with an amazing pass for the last goal. So good. Japan qualifying again, as we said, with nine points and. Norway was not an easy, uh, was not an easy team, but they still like we were able to score three one. The women's team is better than the men's. Team. Yeah, for sure. And th- the thing about this World Cup is there's a lot of own goals, and I don't know if you saw some own goals that were. It was not that they're funny, but it's 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 they it's the passes back to the to the goalie, two of them at least that I watched that were like very very stupid passes from the defenders because they were so strong like the passes like really high speed that the goalie can't get it so that's why morocco if you watch them i think the coach told them do not give any pass back to the to the goalie but this is also what we kind of talked about too i mean not this is not even trying to be a sexist remark the level of the goalie there is a discrepancy between the men's and the women and i think the defense so the, the the offense i think it's really there i think it's on par with 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 men in my in my opinion defense and the ability to get the ball out under pressure and to like not like take a minute to think as a defender when you're in the box next to the next to the goalie and all these players are trying to, to pressure you that's still in development the mentality the mentality part psychologically though that takes time though no no for sure for i mean sure. the first women's world cup was what in the 90s in yeah the 80s? No, i agree so, i agree like, that take, that needs no time. no that's fine and i and i think that also like the goalies being able to play really good with their feet because now now it's like super important. It wasn't the case. You need to be really good because you're an extra player effectively in defense. So that's still in development, but that's normal. That wasn't the case in men's football, I think, 10 years ago. And I, when I watched it, was, it was very different. Netherlands versus South Africa today. Uh, nail-biter qualifications for South Africa with a goal in the 92nd minute. It's crazy. And they, they, they beat in Italy, I think. But Italy was, was knocked out. Argentina, no, they, they went on. But Italy was knocked out, which is... Which is quite sad because I think Italy has a team that's not bad at all. Sweden versus US. Sweden, Sweden qualified tough team, really yeah. tough. I think they're gonna win. They qualified with nine points. They're 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 a fantastic team. England versus Nigeria. This one's a tough one. I really want to root for Nigeria because it's they're they're I a good team. I can't root for Nigeria. No, I, I like England, Nigeria. So this game, I really don't know who like which team I'm going to support but we'll I see. I mean England are the slight favorites but mm-hmm. then again I you should never 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 undermine I don't or think, like, I don't think they're favorites. Nigeria is not an easy I team. I said slight slight. Yeah, I mean But Nigeria is going to be very hard to beat. Exactly. And yeah. the play the way that they play is very different too. Like yeah. a lot of African teams and and South American teams they are a lot tougher, rougher. Yeah, and they're good defensively. England's a lot more delicate mm-hmm. than that. I don't know how they're going to go up against a team like Nigeria. Uh, um, Nigeria has so much experience. In all of these competitions, they've participated in the World Cup multiple times, and Afcon won so many. So it's going to be a tough team, a tough game for uh, England for sure. Colombia versus Jamaica, Jamaica also a really interesting game. Uh, Australia versus Denmark, and then France versus Morocco, the rematch. So let's talk about uh, England a little bit, and specifically about Lauren James. Woohoo! What a player, man! Best player what in a player. the tournament. Better of this, uh, the best of the James family. For sure, one hundred percent. Really talented. She has already scored three goals and has three assists in the World Cup. The finishes are so good. Like you can all of all of her, all of her. Even the ones that were ruled as offside. That would actually argue that was the, the best, best one. Oh, yeah. I'm like this. Every time she touches the ball, 
it's 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 so good. So specifically, and, we're talking about the match against China. Yeah, specifically yeah. in the match against China, she was impressive. Her brother said, and I quote: "I believe she's the best women's footballer in the world, and will be for the next 10, 15 years, without doubt. She's technically better than some Premier League players, including him. Including him. I end quote. <laughs> He's absolutely right. She's certainly better than Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres. No, I mean, a lot yeah, yeah. a lot of players come to mind that are or Uyghurs." And all these players that like come to mind, come on, she's way better. Very clinical. Yeah, yeah. and she plays for Chelsea. She's 20, 21 years old, super young. Chelsea obviously won the Women's Super League last year. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I think she should, she should win player of the tournament. I hope she does really well in the rest of the tournament well, as well. Well, we'll see if, she get, if they make it past Nigeria. So, you know how we were talking about the Moroccan League last time and mm-hmm. how it's mm-hmm. very relatively recent? And then we both realized afterwards that you know, the English League is also super recent. Everything is recent. And I had thought that the Women's League became professional a lot earlier than it actually did. So because the U.S. team is so strong, partially mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was one of the first. So in the 90s, it was a fully professional league. But in England, it didn't become fully... Well, it only went professional in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. And even then, a lot of the teams were not professional. So it was a mix of professional teams and non-professional teams. And after it was founded in 2010, it was only fully professional in 2018. And so yeah. when we listened to uh, the player Ellen White, she used to play for uh, Arsenal, Manchester City. She was saying how before, when she was in Arsenal, it wasn't fully professional. So she had to like bring her own food because they wouldn't feed yeah. them. She had to have bring... And then when she got to City, which was much later in 2019, that's the first time where she was able to actually eat at the facilities. Yeah, I think we just, hear, is, we just hear Arsenal and these names and we just assume exactly. that it's going to be like a... So what happened was that uh, the FA actually banned the women from playing, from using league pitches and facilities in 1921. Mm. So... Claiming that they were misusing financial resources, that was just an excuse. They felt apparently a bit threatened by the women's team, and so they banned them from officially using anything. And so this ban was only lifted in 1971. So before 1971, women couldn't even use their pitches or anything to play, even on a semi-professional, non-professional level. And so this really likely contributed to this lag in professional women's football in England compared to the other countries, Mm. which is I find really interesting. But honestly... uh, Lauren James, great player. Uh, I think England was had their best performance against China, which is a very highly ranked team. I think they're I ranked know. 14th yeah, or 15th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're the winners of Asia, and they're ranked better than Korea. And they were and even Japan. they were even missing their most important player, Kira Walsh, who is a midfielder who plays for Barcelona. Uh, she's probably likely out for the rest of the tournament. Uh, and they have this the amazing coach as well that we, yes. that, we that you talked about Serena. last. Wait, yeah. Then. So uh, I, I think I think they're gonna go far. I. To me, either Japan or um, England, I hope one of these countries win. Obviously, if it's an African team, that would be great, but that's not going to happen. Very likely. But, so I think it will be either Japan or uh, England. I'm really, I'm you're really ho- You're hoping, but there's teams like the US and nah, Sweden man. and France. Nah, Sweden, uh, France. Uh, uh, so No, no France, please. I mean, I like Everna. I really like him. He's a great coach, super nice guy. He says the best things about Africa. He really like. He was with a lot of um, a lot of African team. Great guy, but and he was even in the in the World Cup. He came to support Morocco. Great, great coach. Talking about underfunded uh, teams, let's talk about Jamaica. They were in in the group with France and Brazil and qualified with five points after tying with both countries and knocking out Brazil. How crazy is that? And the, Brazil is ranked eight, and Jamaica 
was unbeaten during the group stage with three uh, clean sheets. Really, really amazing. True Cinderella story, uh, as they call them, the reggae girls. Girls with a Z. <laughs> Become, yeah, reggae girls become the first Caribbean nation to reach yeah, around the 16 yeah, in the Women's World Cup. So in an Instagram post, players complained that the Jamaica Football Federation, which was struggling to finance their trip to the World Cup, was providing, quote, unquote, I'm sorry, quote, subpar planning, transportation, accommodation, training conditions, and more. So what they decided to do is to basically do uh, crowdfunding and they were able to raise $100,000 through for travel, training expenses and staff. So these people barely even had the money to come to the, to Australia and now look at where they are. This is it's so real underdogs. Yeah, it's it's really with the real underdogs. They they're really good. I'm everyone's so happy. Uh, and I think they're playing uh, Colombia, which is also a really good team. So a lot of surprises in this World Cup, to say That's the least. That's what makes it fun. We don't want it just to be the same. T- oh, gosh, it's US, US again. Uh-huh. The US again. It's like, I think it's literally the team, not the worst team, but it's just like no energy the way they play. Everyone in the US is so disappointed. I, just, I also them. don't think their players are very likable. I just had one last thing to mention about the World Cup, which is about Nuhayla Benzina, uh, the Moroccan defender. The 25-year-old Moroccan defender who became the first player on this stage to compete wearing a hijab. Nike Nike's gonna get her as an ambassador now. For sure, yeah. So, so why am I talking about her? So she's a really good defender, and she was instrumental in Morocco's two games, uh, the two games they won. Uh, but if this tournament was being held in France, which was the case four years ago, she wouldn't have been able to participate. Right, so this is, she would be breaking the law. She can't do it. So apparently, around four weeks ago, a court in France ruled in favor of the French Football Federation's decision to ban players who choose to wear the Islamic headscarf during matches. But that is consistent with their policies. Yeah, no, no it is consistent. So yeah. uh, FIFA also had, I think, a similar policy that they uh, reversed in 2014. Uh, the FFF is currently the only federation that does not allow female players in its country to compete wearing the hijab. This reminds us a little bit of what you talked about, uh, the Ramadan, where the FFF uh, told referees not to pause games to let people break their fast. So it's always... France, if anything, they're consistent. Yeah, they're very consistent, obviously. So uh, to people who are not familiar with France's uh, arguments or why they're doing this, it's because they're trying to ensure that it's a secular country, what they call laïcité. But this is just, in my opinion, ridiculous at this point. In France 2022 census, 10% of the, cop- the population identifies Muslim. But the so problem is they're... The largest in Europe. But the problem is they're imposing it on people who are not French. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so it, when you're doing so, something to your own citizens, that's one, one thing. But now it's like people who are coming to your country, but they're not French. I, I agree. I agree. And so it's, as, as it says, largest Muslim population in Europe. And their teams are mostly made of players with North African, West African descent, predominantly Muslim, um, Muslim countries. So... What I don't understand is I don't know how, if I were like a French player, a Muslim player, like how would I feel, right? Especially if I'm wearing hijab, like I'm not allowed to play in my own country because they don't accept me. And it's, it's, just a, it's just a weird feeling to have. And as you said, it's fine to be uh, like this when it's organized in your country. Well, I, don't, I don't know if it's fine. There's an argument to be had about this, it's, it's, but it's a, just a separate issue. It's fine as in it's, it's a law in the country, right? right? And then you could disagree with the law or not, but like yeah. now what they're doing is just trying to criticize uh, like FIFA and criticize Morocco and effectively saying that what this uh, girl is doing, what this woman is doing is not, 
she shouldn't be doing it because it's encouraging all the other women to uh, wear, the, wear the hijab and so on and so forth. So a journalist called Philippe, uh, I think it's Guibert, Mm. Gibel, uh, on the French channel CNews said, I quote, with her hijab, she is telling her teammates you are immodest. The wearing of the hijabs by a player at the Women's World Cup is an incredible regression. L'Equipe as well said on their uh, website that the Minister of the Interior, Gérald Darmanin, was critical of the idea of seeing veiled players on the on this pitch. Gérald Darmanin just cannot stop sticking, putting his foot where his mouth is. Like, he, he already is in so much deep water in terms of all the riots and everything that's going on in France right now. Mm-hmm. And he has to meddle in every single thing. It's, sorry, dude, it's not a good look. Just but everyone is commenting on this, even like uh, Bourne, everyone is. Because like, French people, at least at the elite level, think that it's kind of like the U.S. thing too, but in a different way. They believe that they are the ones that should be liberating these Muslim yeah, women yeah, exactly. from oppression and from sexism. And he's like, oh, the Iranian women. I'm like, dude, just mind your own business. Let her. She's so sweet. This this defender when she's like. So it's it's cherry picking evidence about certain women who feel a certain way, and then you're extrapolating yeah, it to it's, say it's, that it's, all women feel oppressed wearing a, a hijab. It's my right. It's what's your right? problem? And also, also that I feel that I am superior to you, or because that I'm looking yeah. down on you because yeah. of two women who are not wearing a hijab. No, it's a personal choice. I wear a hijab, but it has nothing to do. For example, I'm vegan, but I don't say oh, other people who are not doing it. like, mm-hmm. But people will imply it, right? Oh, because you are this, you must look down on people who are not. But that's that's assumption that you make, and that's a dangerous assumption. You should not be making that assumption. Yeah, no, I agree. And what do we say about all the Moroccan moms during the World Cup that all, most of them had the, had were wearing hijab? Like, are they not supposed to wear it? And and also, like, they, they are focusing on the this tiny negative thing that they think it's negative instead of saying, oh my God, like, Look at what this lady who's playing professional football at the top level uh, is like. How am I going to feel as another Muslim woman? There's so many hijabis all over the world. Watching this Nuhaila and what she's doing, it's it's an, it's an incredible feeling for them. There must be but so it, Representation matters a lot. My, my problem is, is that they kind of pick morals and principles when it suits them. Right? Of course. Because yeah. France is a democracy. And so they're picking a principle stands here about laicite or secularism Mm -hmm. but they're then in that case if they're going to pick if they're going to prioritize that then what they're letting go of is freedom of expression right which is in a fundamental right in any democracy Mm -hmm. and that's why you would never have something like this for example in the u.s because they're not cherry picking saying oh actually i think this is going to take precedence over freedom of a speech and so freedom of speech and and expression can just go down the drain because we don't care about it right it's just it's just like this absolute laicite absolute secularism that has no meaning at some point but but that's the thing right like what do you think should be an absolute they believe that that should be an absolute for example in the u.s no what is an absolute Mm -hmm. it should be freedom freedom of speech and freedom of expression if you give absolute freedom to something there are consequences which is people saying things that you don't want to hear you know right but that's just a necessary evil Mm-hmm. At least some people believe this. People who are free speech, free free expression absolutists will say this. And honestly, I'm more on the side of I believe in free speech and free expression, even though there's so many things that I don't like I would or disagree rather with. Have, I but would I would rather, rather have, have the yeah. freedom of expression. Yeah, and this is and it's not even in their country. So everyone in the world is celebrating uh, Nuhaila. Everyone's talking about her, embracing her. Even EA Sports introduces a hijabi avatar from Morocco's 
Nuhaila uh, Benzina in FIFA 23. FIFA and all of those, like, they're trying to be more inclusive, right? Especially, like, uh, Infantino's trying to. Yeah, I remember he, he his... Feels yeah, he feels... He's going to say, I feel hijabi. So, at some point. But um, it's just, honestly, it's very upsetting. Like, even the... The Ramadan thing is even crazier. Like, I can't even break my fast for one minute. Is that like, and people like just fall all the time, waste time all the time. It's, it's, it's I mean, crazy. it's it's embedded in the the their culture and stuff. Remember, remember we were saying how um, uh, Christophe Gauthier was arrested because of the things that he allegedly yeah. said yeah, yeah. about the black and mm-hmm. Muslim players. I don't know how rampant it is, but it does seem like it comes up. And the fact that the people feel comfortable enough to say it, whether that's behind yeah, closed doors or, not on the, closed or, door or, or in the or in the media says something about the way that they think. And obviously that's their prerogative. That's their way of life. Like I said, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. But it's just that as a minority, you know But it's it's ten percent when you have ten percent of your population like that, like this is this is bound to create problems because you're not accepting your ten percent of the population for a basic thing that they well, want. Well that's to the do. problem, right? When when right, you accept when you accept minority and you want them to assimilate, you want them to be quiet and you want them to blend in into what your quote unquote majority is, right? It's 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 a little bit sad. Anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, not to go on a whole rant about no, this. No, no, no. It's it, it's it's just sad, like this whole situation and they've been they've been they've been they've been saying things like this all the time whenever there is like a, they always have a problem with something that people wear something that you know, moroccan people have one one wish is for benzina to score against france ah, and to be, that would be incredible that's all i want this year that would i don't be want incredible. anything else yeah yeah, yeah. well but as a defender it's a little tough but yeah, header header by benzina <laughs> yeah <laughs> moving on to transfer news you want to start with Dembele? It's here we go, confirmed. He's going to PSG. For you got to have the here we go. Yes, for 50 million euros. It triggered a private clause in his contract uh, that where he would be getting half of that amount, 25 mm-hmm. million euros. And I read that Barcelona had, quote unquote, kindly asked Dembele to give up some of that money. And he refused. Yeah, why would he? And there were a lot of remarks that were made by Dembele that seemed like not so subtle digs at Barcelona. Um, Mm -hmm. And he gave an interview where he said, I believe all of this is in French, not in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Does he speak Spanish? I don't even know. But I believe it was in French. Yeah, so he wants to win trophies, but in a healthier environment. There were people at Barcelona, quote unquote, throwing shit at him. And he won't wait for people to cut his head off. Damn. I mean, that's pretty harsh. I know. And that even though like there were players that were wanting him to stay in the locker room, apparently it was a bit tense between him and the rest of the team. I actually it's, didn't sense this at all. I didn't. It's a crazy story. Honestly, it, when I read more about it, and I think The Athletic has a really detailed uh, article about this, it just showcases how Barcelona is extremely mismanaged. So apparently um, uh, uh, this this move happened and it was, it was a surprise. Nobody knew that this, uh, to me at least it was a surprise. The guy played the Madrid game, scored a nice goal and then suddenly he's not even on the bench with, for the, uh, the Milan game. So let's remind everyone that he moved from Borussia Dortmund in August 2017 for 135 million euros, one of the highest transfer fees uh, ever. And now he's moving to PSG for a small sum of 50 million euros. Uh, because PSG triggered some sort of clause in his contract to replace a potential exit of Mbappe. Uh, I don't think he's an amazing player. I think he's been extremely inconsistent. If he's consistent, then he's a really good player. But because he's not, 
I don't know, like he's important, but then again, not important. He was injured from Jan to April last year, or I'm sorry, this year. So, um, but then, but at the same time, he is definitely worth more than 50 million euros. Way more. I think also especially, his injury played. No, no, no. It, no, no. Especially if you look at the, the, the like where the rates uh, which players are getting sold at right now. So, uh, in January 2022, Barcelona was negotiating with Dembele since his contract would have expired that summer. And apparently there was deadlock and all and so on and so forth just because uh, they wouldn't give him more money. So there's always salary issues with Barcelona. Eventually in July 2022, they reached a two-year deal that included a 100 million re- release, clause, release clause. And it also included this weird, what, what you call it, like, um, what do they call it? Personal bonus. Yeah, like another clause that would allow him to leave for 50 million oh. if a club offered that amount before the 31st of July. Uh, so this clause was called the contract or transfer obligation. I don't know what that means, but it's basically between the club and Dembele, where a team can just come and take Dembele without having to go through La Liga, kind of what, how, the way I understood And he would get, and bar, he, the player himself would get half. Exactly, the player would get half, or him and his manager, I guess, they would get half. And so Barcelona only conceded to this point because they wanted him to reduce his salary. And they didn't have any other choice with all the stuff that's happening. So, which to me is ridiculous. How can you let something like this be in your contract? It's incredibly, like, you can't manage a company like this. This is just like a... Maybe they just wanted, wanted him to stay and they couldn't afford to increase his salary and that was the solution. I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. Especially now that like, they need money desperately. So, apparently one of the factors that made Dembele change his mind and listen to PSG is that he was learning that Barcelona had been exploring options to loan him and Gabi to uh, PSG to replace again Mbappe. Mbappe is doing so much. Like This is all because of Mbappe. The, the amount of drama, the, the amount of things that happening. that happened in his wake yeah, of just not even, nothing even concrete. Exactly. Just the people that Benzema going to, uh, to Etihad, like all of this stuff, a lot of it is linked to, to Mbappe. So Barca then after that um, tried to match um, this uh, this th- this offer actually didn't try to match because apparently PSG's offer was way better and the, his his agent counter with six million improvements in salary and they said there's no way we don't have the money to pay it they were all so disappointed oh why is this guy going Xavi apparently is extremely disappointed but nobody cares if this guy was not was not being paid well then he should leave and also his comments about the culture he's not the first one to make that comment uh, Umtiti. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. He used to be like a French de- defender at Barcelona. He said it was horrible, the culture at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And he really, like, he, he said, uh, I think he said, uh, I felt like I was in, in a prison. So, not surprised. It's, we've talked about this in the past. Barca's not a well-managed team. And it's, it, it, we're, we're discovering that every, every day. They have effectively spent close to 400 million euros on Dembele, Griezmann and uh, the other guy, what's his name, Coutinho, and they've sold the three of these players for 90 million, for a total of 90 million. So that sh- that basically summarizes the whole situation. I really don't think they were. They've been smart in their buying of forward players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're still left with incompetent uh, wingers. If you think about it, Dembele was competent but not consistent. Rafinha is so selfish more consistent but just not competent not competent so why can't you get a winger that is both consistent Uh, and competent talking about lauren james she's better than rafinha in my opinion but 
Yeah, I'm sorry. For me, no Rafinha is just not competent enough, and Dembele's problem was that he's just not consistent. Mm-hmm. I honestly never... He has his moments, but I never really appreciated him as many people did because I just thought that he was way too inconsistent. Well, and, and you, you saw that in the final of the World Cup where he was right. horrible and had yeah. to be subbed off. Yeah, and also, you, I mean, you thought it was... Uh, but now it's confirmed. Kessie to al Yeah, yeah. Right? Because yeah. they couldn't get Amrabat. And so they, they thought we're going to get Kessie. That's what happened. We're slowly waiting for this Amrabat thing to actually uh, come to fruition. Yeah, apparently it is going to happen. So let's see. Because he did say no to, to Saudi. And that's right, why they decided right. to go with, uh, with Kessie. Um, going back to... So now we're going really quickly back to Premier League. Guardiol is finally officially... Guardiol. Guardiol. <laughs> Wasn't, didn't Pep say Guardiol. he has a yeah, he's a, great sur- he's a great surname. Yes, he said that. Uh, so finally, he's going to play. He's going to take the number 24. Uh, he is officially the second most expensive defender ever under Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire know, is still the most expensive apparently, <laughs> defender. Apparently, West Ham is still trying to get him. So. so speaking of West Ham, I saw this very funny tidbit about West Ham. So they're the only Premier League team that hasn't signed a single yeah, senior zero. player. Mm-hmm. They sold... Declan Rice for a sh- shit ton of money. Good for you. Just save it. Putting that money in a CD. So, so this is what The Athletic reported. They have now advertised seven squad positions on this thing called TransferRoom.com. Do you know about this? No. <laughs> it's like so a TransferRoom is an indie. online marketplace where pro players are advertised, sold, and bought. It is very rare for top flight clubs, especially Premier League clubs, to ever use this website. They have advertised seven positions, including left back, center back, defensive mid- midfielder, central midfielder, striker, winger, and number 10. The whole team. Yes. And they also just lost 4-0 to a friendly with against yeah, Bayern Le- Leverkusen. Yeah. This, I don't know what they're doing. David Moyes does not seem to get along with the new um, technical, uh, the sporting director. They seem to disagree on the players that they want to get. But it is really horrible. If you're going to rate their transfer, I'd give them like minus, minus F. And they F, also F. lost to Stade Rene. Uh, 3-1 uh, oh, last right. week. Yeah, so friendly, yeah. there's no reinforcement anywhere. They mm-hmm. haven't... It's embarrassing that I other teams like Bournemouth, uh, like even Luton, I believe, they bought players and yet Westman has them. Yeah, and I don't know why it's taking this long to buy Maguire. Like, I, I, I wouldn't think I, that... I, I wouldn't know. think that United are specifically well, uh, But I took, to I took a look at this transferroom.com. Like, you have to have, like, a subscription or something. But, yeah, there's no Premier League teams that... That's, you know, yeah, they, obviously. they go through their agents, because, they go exactly. through teams. Exactly, this so is I, all like they don't need, relationships. If you're a top Premier League player, you don't need to advertise yourself. No, and you don't need a website to show your players. Yeah, or to, to attract sh- people to, to come here. You imagine you know. putting Haaland there. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I'm looking for a club, please. Anyone, anyone looking for number nine? <laughs> I bet if you were there, you'd get a lot of attention. Me? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't Chelsea, know. I, Chelsea, I, 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 Chelsea would I, I sign you. Currently, I don't know if it's available to female players yet. So <laughs> that is a good question. Did, that's your idea. There you go. Maybe you we should start. A, we need a marketplace for female players. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. If Lauren James ever wants to move from Chelsea. Please come to Francesca's website. <laughs> yes. Francesca transfer, Francesca's transfer room. Yes. Another thing I'm very happy about, I forgot to mention on the city. Bernardo Silva is not going to be living, leaving City. Most Dude, likely. Good for you. Don't go to Barcelona. It's a shithole. City is <laughs> refusing to negotiate with PSG. Nor need PS- and I, I think I, there's three teams that you should never go to, in my opinion. There's Chelsea. <laughs> there's PSG and then there's Barcelona. I wouldn't go. In which order? I think PSG. No, no. Chelsea first, for PS- sure. Chelsea ruins players. Then um, PSG second, and then Barcelona. In my opinion, I think if you start from the youth team, it's not as bad. But yes, if you get bought by Chelsea, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, Reese James is extremely overrated compared to his sister. Everyone loves him, but what what has he done? He's now the captain, no? Yeah, but... <laughs> Anyways, He's won a Champions League. I can't wait to watch, the, to watch Chelsea next year. I hope it's going to be another miraculous year. I'm sorry for all the Chelsea fans. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be, you know, blessed with that kind of Chelsea performance You never again. know. You never know. We're going to be back next week with the official start of the Premier League. And tomorrow is, uh, well, this weekend is a continuation of the Women's World Cup as well as Community Shield tomorrow. Nobody cares about Community Shield. I'm going to be watching. Why Good not? For Good for you. Why not? Uh, and so we hope you enjoyed. If you did, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening from. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.